In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Thanks, Kerry. So this morning, as you will probably have gathered from those readings, we're going to look at God as our creator. So the Bible tells us that God created everything. And in the New Testament, it tells us that Jesus was at the center of it all. God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make the world. Let us create And God created everything. So if you ever stop for a moment and look around, the world is wonderful. It's amazing. It's so full of so many things. And as I was thinking about this and starting to prepare, a bird flew overhead and I thought, wow, you know, because I like birds, so I did the big bird count. And sort of in my garden I had a nuthatch, a blackbird, sort of a woodpecker. Sort of a blue tit, cold tit, starling, sort of a robin. So I had quite a few, so I was quite pleased sort of with my numbers. I even had a tree creeper, which is sort of really cool. But sort of that is so few species to how many species there are in the UK alone. There are 632 different bird species in the UK. So that's amazing. It's just amazing. And in the world, there are more than 11,000 species of birds. And you think God made them all. Sort of, he knew sort of every detail. And everything is different. Sort of, they've got different colors. They've got different beaks. They're different sizes. Sort of, they're just all fascinating. And sort of, they, it doesn't matter. 
you know, sort of where their environment is, they're suited to that, sort of the different foods, and they've all got a different song. So I've just think, sort of all those have got a different song. It is just so incredible. And yet the Bible tells us he didn't just make the birds. He made sort of the fish of the sea. Sort of he made sort of all the animals. Sort of he made sort of everything. And it doesn't matter whether it was big or it was small. So he made the blue whale 98 feet long, weighing 400,000 pounds. And he made the smallest mammal, a pygmy shrew, weighing 1.8 grams. doesn't matter if it's big or it's small. It doesn't matter if you feel that you're big or you're small. God's in it all. He sees and knows everything because he created it all with infinite variety. And as I was reading around this sort of, I wanted to know how many species there were in the world of sort of animal type things. And we as human beings have only counted 1.7 million. But the people who know these things believe there's anything between three and a hundred million different species. Doesn't that blow your mind? And that's the creator who loves us, sort of absolute infinite variety. And the Bible tells us, you know, sort of that the heavens declare his glory. You know, sort of we might say, oh, I don't know if I believe in God. But the Bible tells us that if we look at the heavens, if we look at the beauty, you only have to look at the sunset, don't you, sort of all the sunrise, and you say, wow. Look at that. So if you don't even know about God, the Bible tells us that creation itself should say, look at me, look at me, sort of, I am here. Sort of, you didn't just arise by chance. It wasn't a freak accident. I'm reminded of a story that I heard a long time ago. It was about a watch factory. And this watch factory, sort of, the staff came in at six o'clock in the morning And they laid out all the pieces for all the watches on a huge table. They just laid them all out. And then they went home. And at midnight, there was a big explosion. And they came in the next day. And all the watches were all there in a line, all working and ticking. And you think, that's not possible, is it? Of course it's not possible. And it's the same sort of, uh, you didn't just happen by chance. God is your creator. He made you, every bit of you. He knows everything about you. You know, and sort of, God didn't stop with just the things around us. He made us as the pinnacle of his creation. You know, when an artist creates a masterpiece, sort of, they're so proud of it. And that's what God is of us. Sort of, he made a masterpiece in us. Because he made us in his image. So we are special in his sight and he loves us greatly. But God is a God of detail. So every hair on your head is counted. So now some people sort of have got more hair on the head than others. But so even though we lose a hundred a day, 
sort of God has got our number of hairs on our head. He's so, he's so infinite, he's so great, he's so big. He is our creator. And it says, sort of in Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you before you were born. He said in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God is not a creator who set the ball in motion and then walked away. He hasn't walked away from you. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. Every single aspect. Not some of it, all of it. Because he knew you before you were born. And he has a purpose for you. And it might not be that you're going to be sort of a a great preacher or you might not be sort of traveling around the world or you might, but there's a purpose for every single one of us. And some of the most important people are the ones that you don't even notice. It's another story that sort of I heard a long time ago, sort of about a lady who was sort of like um, a, a toll gate. And sort of that's all she did all her life. She was at a toll gate. But every person that passed through, she spoke to them about the love of God. You don't have to go anywhere to be who God wants you to be. Just be who he wants you to be where you are. Each of us are created individually, you see. And so that's what's so important. You haven't got to be like somebody else. Because God doesn't want you to be like somebody else. He wants you to be you. Because that's why he made you as you are. You know, we have such a wonderful creator. He is amazing. And like I said, he wants you to be you. But how many times do you say, oh, I wish I was taller. Or I wish I was thinner. Or I wish I had more hair. Or sort of maybe I wish I had sort of a darker skin so I didn't burn in the sun. Or maybe I could cope with the weather better. You know, sort of, we tend to sort of moan a bit, don't we? Sort of, and grumble about God. Sort of, and we sort of say, you should have done it this way, God. You should have done it this way with me. I should have been this. You know, but that's not our place. God is our creator. Isaiah says um, about it, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Should what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? You know, and we can be like that. We can quarrel with our maker. So it also says in Isaiah, woe to those who quarrel with their maker. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? I mean, have you ever said to God, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that with me? You know, sort of, in a way, that's sort of moaning and grumbling, isn't it? You know, why are you doing this? And why is the weather like this today? And why are those people doing that? And why can't I have? And why am I struggling? 
you know, we think that grumbling and complaining is pretty harmless, really. It doesn't matter too much, does it? Might be a little naughty, but sort of it's not bad. But the Bible tells us that God's chosen people, the Israelites, sort of they were terrible. I mean, they were really bad. They grumbled and complained about everything. So they were in Egypt as slaves. So who wouldn't grumble being a slave? You know, so it's not nice, is it? So they were grumbling and complaining about being a slave. So God rescued them and set them free from slavery. So what did they do then? They grumbled and complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt because they had melons there and cucumbers. And God was giving them quail and manna. And they didn't want that. Thank you very much. So they moaned about whatever they had. And we blame them, don't we? Sort of fancy moaning. God's provided for you in your moaning. And then you think, and have I done that? Has God provided for me? And I've moaned because, yeah, I've got beans on toast, but rather I'd have steak. Thank you very much. Well, I wouldn't, but David would. So, um, you know, so we've got to think it's easy to point the finger, isn't it? And to grumble. You know, so, but we've got to watch it because God isn't happy with grumbling. I don't know if you know the story about sort of the Israelites, but because of their grumbling against God, only two of them entered the promised land of those that grumbled. The rest died in the desert. God doesn't like us grumbling and complaining. And would you? Would you like people grumbling and complaining about you when you've done things for them, everything for them, when you've given them life, when you've given them hope, when you've actually sort of, for us, Jesus died in our place, that we could have new life and we could be forgiven and we could have a home with God our Father forever. You know, and yet sort of, is that not enough for us? Is that not enough? You know, God loves us, but so why do we complain? You know, we do complain about so many things. And sort of, um, I ha- read this little uh, article about complaining, and sort of, um, they were saying that sort of what happens when you start to complain and moan, sort of, it affects you. It affects sort of your attitude and it causes negative feelings. It triggers anxiety, depression, and individuals get stuck in a downward cycle of negativity. And in a community where people groan and moan, it can spread like a yawn. You know, when somebody yawns, everybody yawns. And that's what can happen with moaning and negativity. It can affect the whole community. It exaggerates challenges. It's emotionally draining. It impacts negatively on morale and creativity and productivity and leads to people hating the situation that they're in. So by being negative and complaining about little things, you can actually be impacting yourself. God didn't create us to moan and complain. He doesn't want us to do that. So this little um, thing I found really fascinating. So when you're around people that moan and complain a lot, it wears you down, doesn't it? It's not very pleasant. 
and a psychologist from the University of Arkansas said, people don't break wind in an elevator more than they have to. Venting anger and complaining is similar to emotionally farting in a closed space. So, guys, sort of, that's not pleasant, is it? We don't want to be making nasty smells all over the place. <clears throat> and the Bible tells us quite clearly, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you can become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Sort of do everything without moaning and complaining. Good grief. Sort of look at Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was chained up and he praised and worshipped God. He didn't complain about his situation. He got on with it and gave glory to God in the place that he was. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're in a bad situation, you just sit there if you've got the ability to change it. God gives us abilities to change things. So if you're in a situation that you know you shouldn't be in and you can get out of it, you get out of it. But if you're in a situation that you've been put in by God, don't change the circumstances. Change your perspective. Don't focus on the negative and on yourself. Focus on your creator. Because Romans 8 verse 28 tells us that we know that all things God works together for good for those who love him and are called and called according to his purpose. That you might be in a place that you find tough. But God is going to work all things for good. Today, it may be sort of you wouldn't have chosen the place where you are, but you need to recognize that still God has got you in hand and He's got a plan. You may not like your circumstances right now, but you're in God's hands. And talking about being in God's hands and hands, you've got a little thing in the middle of your table and I want you to take sort of the tinfoil off and I want you to make something you're going and while you make it we've got some uh, questions and I want you to sort of discuss these questions so you've got 10 minutes look at your questions on the on there 10 minutes Make something. You can either make little things or one of you can make it and then discuss the questions as you go. But have a go. So, okay, guys, I'm just going to call you back for a few minutes. So I don't know what um, you felt like or what you thought the dough would feel like. But I know some of you thought it wasn't going to be very pleasant sort of uh, to be pushed and pulled around. So Jeremiah 18 verse 1 says, Go to the potter's house. And a potter was at work on his wheel. And the vessel he was making, the clay was marred, so he had to remould it and remake it. 
God is the potter and we are the clay in his hands. I don't know about you, but sort of your pride might not like that image. Because I have to say, when I actually said it to myself, my pride didn't like that image. To be sort of just moulded by somebody else and not yourself. You've got no control, have you? So that poor lump of dough that you were pushing and shoving had absolutely no control. It couldn't say to you, you've got to do it this way. You know, sometimes, like I say, our pride doesn't like the fact that we are to be clay in our Father's hands. But that's what he wants for us. But if we've got a flaw as in with the case with the potter in Jeremiah, the pot had to be thrown again. And so I know some Dick David likes doing pottery. So I'm going to ask him and he can tell us what what would happen if the, there's a flaw in the clay. Uh, when you fire it, the uh, it explodes. So what do you have to do to the clay sort of, if you want to remake the pot? Well, you've got to smash it. You've got to let it put it in water until it goes back into clay. And then you've got to knead it and knead it and knead it until all the air's got out. And then you can make clay out of it, a pot out of it. So that takes sort of quite a lot of effort, doesn't it? So what happens when you've just made a pot at first that's sort of uh, just clay? What can happen to that? Uh, I don't know, shrink. Right, I'll tell you. <laughs> so... If you're just making the pot for the first time out of clay, so if this happened to us when we went to pottery class, you put your clay pot to one side, but because it's so soft at that point, somebody touches it and it all gets damaged. The way a pot becomes strong is that it goes through the fire. That's another thing that we don't always like the idea of, is it? God putting us through the fire. But sort of if you're just a lump of clay, if you're not fired, every single situation will mark you in some way. It will damage you in some way. God is the potter. He is your creator. And yes, sometimes you might have to go through the fire. Sometimes you might have to go through situations you don't like. And it's not because God is being mean. It's because he knows what's best for you. He wants you to be a pot for good purposes. He wants you to be a beautiful vessel, not a marred vessel, but a beautiful vessel through which he can shine his light to others where he can just shine completely through you. It's a hard place to be remade and refined, and yet it's not our place to quarrel with God. You see, it's not always because you've done something wrong. Sometimes we say, oh, it's difficult because I've done something wrong. But that's not always true. So Job was a good man, and sort of he loved God and he served God. And Job was a character in the Bible. And he had an awful time. Suddenly, everything was perfect. And then suddenly, he lost his family. He lost his possessions. 
And then he got horrible boils all over his body. And so it was like that for quite a while. And, you know, you would think Job then had the right, wouldn't you, to sort of moan and grumble about God. But sort of, he didn't actually moan and grumble, but he did question. And then God actually came to him in the end and said, sort of, do you know how all these things were created? Do you know how they all work? And sort of, Job had to say, sort of, no, I don't. Sort of, I don't know how you did all those things. I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to just sort of trust you. You, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. We won't always understand what our creator is doing in our lives, nor why he is doing it. And like I said, sometimes the process is painful and confusing. But in moments of pain and in moments of difficulty, that's often when we grow the most. And sort of, you know, we've just got to sort of go with it. It is easier if we go with the process than if we kick against it. There's an old song that I don't know if you know, but it came to my mind. Sort of, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. Take me and mould me after your will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. We have an awesome creator. Will you let him continue to work in your life and bring about the vessel he wants you to be? Will you yield to him? Will you let him move in you? Take out the bits that sort of will mar the pot and mould you the way he wants you. So finally, ask yourself, are you complaining and moaning about the circumstances you're in? God is your creator. He understands everything. He knows every detail about you. He hasn't put you in this place just because he's awkward. He's put you in the place where you are and in the situation you're in to bring about sort of more of his glory in you. There is an opportunity to sort of offer ourselves to God's hands for him to shape us. So if you need somebody to pray with you to do that, sort of ask somebody on the table or sort of ask somebody else that you know to pray with you. If there's situations you want to be prayed through with, just ask somebody. But sort of don't leave and say, oh, I'll just carry on. Don't carry on. Let God make you and form you because he's got the best for you. He knows the plans he has for you and the plans for good to give you a future and a hope because God, your creator, knows you inside and out and he loves you.